0: We are so honored that you chose to join us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. It is our desire that you'll be encouraged and challenged in your walk with Jesus. Be blessed as you join us for this week's message. Oh, yeah. Hey, welcome to Hope Church. We're so glad you're here. How many of you are grateful you came to church this morning? I am excited. Man, wasn't worship just amazing today? Can we give it up for our worship team one more time? I really loved our um, helper series based on the person in the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you enjoyed that message series? Really, God used it to speak to you, encourage you, equip you. I almost hated hated to end that message series, but I am uh, really excited about kicking off our brand new message series today called Addicted to Love. And for some of you, that may sound like a a strange message series title, but really the heart of it is about healthy, loving relationships. I believe that the world has duped us into Uh, believing in this tainted false type of love that for many of us we're experiencing even now and that in order to love deeply and truly and to have healthy relationships we need to have a foundation of the love of God and so this is going to be a a fun uh, amazing message series and let me just help you uh, give you some things that we're going to dive into during this message series and as we do that Inevitably, you're going to have some questions, and we want to help answer those questions. So uh, throughout the whole message series, we have a phone number for you to be able to text questions to. And throughout the message series, we're going to try to address some of those questions and answer some of those questions for you. Right now, I believe the world is more confused about life, love, and sexuality than it ever has been in the history of our planet. And we need to get back to the foundation of godly love, godly sex, and relationships. And so this message series we're going to dive into today, I'm going to really kick us off with what is real love? And we're going to talk about this thing called love. For many of us, I don't know that we really understand what true love is or real love is according to the Bible. And so we're going to dive into that today. I'm not going to kind of set the stage and a foundation to launch us into the rest of the message series, but we're going to go into next week. We're going to hear from an amazing couple. They're going to really share their story and experience of how their wounds from the past affected their marital relationship and their relationship with other people, even in ministry, and uh, how God healed them and worked through those relationships and restored love back to their relationships. So that's going to be amazing. The following week, we're going to hear for some people that are in the middle of singleness and how God can even use singleness not only to prepare you for marriage— but to help you get a right understanding of what real love is before you get married so that when you go into a marriage relationship, you don't go into it with all these tainted, twisted ideas and and you lose out because we have faulty expectations, right? And the following week, uh, we're gonna listen to some people that have uh, experienced marriage from young couples, young married couples to middle-aged couples to uh, what I like to call our seasoned saints who have uh, been around the block, if you will, and have, have been married for 30, 40, 50 years and have experienced all the highs and lows and ups and downs in every season of life. And it's going to be like gold, wisdom, let me tell you. It's going to be amazing. We're going to look at some areas. How do we how do we love our kids through parenting? And how do we raise our kids with a foundation of what biblical love looks like so that they grow up with a healthy understanding of love, sexuality, and relationships? That's going to be amazing. And uh, we're going to talk about how do we love our neighbor? <laughs> like... I mean, I'm lucky to just love our kids, right? But Jesus said uh, that, you know, what good is it for you if you love those who love you? And now, come on, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? But but if we love our neighbor as ourselves, people that are strangers, that we don't even know as Christians, we're called to actually love people. And by the way, we're supposed to love those who even hate us. And there's so much hate going on in the world right now. How do we do that? And and it all starts with this foundation of love. And then we're going to end this series on a bang. And we're going to take the questions that you you sent in. And we might even add in some of our own because I believe that we are living in a day and age where our culture is trying to feed you what it means to love and have healthy sexuality, healthy marriages, and we have been duped. And so there there are so so much confusion in the church today and i believe this i have a conviction and by the way uh this whole message series is going to be a little bit pg-13 and so there may be some sundays that are a little bit mature in nature and we're going to try to let you know in advance when those sundays are but here's my encouragement to you Uh, don't let that freak you out because your kids are getting a message on sexuality and love whether you like it or not or believe it or not and unless the church starts answering their questions and giving them a healthy perspective on what the Bible says is love and healthy relationships and sexuality we're in danger of losing a generation and so I believe the church needs to step up and start talking about these things that our culture is shaping our children Right, things like what a, you know, what about the LGBTQ? I don't know. I might have missed a vowel in there or something. Uh, movement and and is it okay to be in a homosexual relationship? Is it okay to have sex before marriage if you love each other? And what really is marriage anyway? And so, all these things in in, in the day and age that we're living in, your kids are getting fed a message. And so I want to try to bring some healthy messages to restore back to the church and to God's people what it looks like to love from a biblical perspective with the love of God and how does that translate into our relationships to make them healthy. And so here's here's my encouragement to you. Don't miss a Sunday. You might be tempted to say, hey, you know, I'm not single, I'm married, uh, I don't have kids, so I'm not going to show up on that Sunday. But let me tell you this, if we're going to learn to love our neighbor, part of being the body of Christ is understanding different people's perspectives in their season of life. And understanding them better is going to help me to love them better. And so you might be able to mentor a single person or give some advice to a married couple or help somebody that is about to enter into parenthood because of what God spoke to you and encouraged you with and taught you through this message series. So it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna hear from some amazing people. This is one message series where I like to pull in a lot of different voices. And so you're gonna get to hear from a lot of different people in this church that are just like you walking through different seasons of life and have experienced life, love, relationships, dating, sexuality, and are going to share with us what they've learned through all of it. Amen? So don't miss a Sunday. Text in your questions. We're going to have that up every Sunday, and don't be shy. Like, if you have a question, no matter what it is, uh, we're going to take it seriously, and we're going to find the commonalities in it, and we're going to try to address those questions all throughout the series. But at the very end, where I'm going to um, just address and answer some of those questions. And we're going to have some hot topics, if you will, that we're not going to be afraid to address. And that might be a little bit mature in nature, but we'll let you know when that's coming up. Amen? Amen. All right. How many of you ready to get into the Word of God this morning? We're going to let the great Apostle John preach to us a little bit. You know, I love to start out each message as if you've been in this church for a while, you, you know. I believe that the foundation for every message is Scripture. Like, I, I don't pick what I want. I, I take scripture and we glean from what scripture is telling us. And so that's why I like to start out with scripture every time before I get into a message. And so today, the, uh, the morsel, the nugget of truth and life, the, the meat, if you will, today, we're going to look in 1 John chapter 4, um, starting in verse 7 through 12. And I'm going to read to you out of the New Living Translation. And, and the reason for that, normally, uh, you know, my particular flavor of translations is the NIV, and I've got several personal reasons for that. But um, oftentimes, if, if I feel like a translation does a better job kind of unpacking the truth of scripture, and in particular with a diverse group of people, especially young people, and, and I hope that you don't shy away from bringing your kids and, and uh, to services to hear some of these messages, Because I believe you can have some of the greatest conversations with your kids about these topics after you hear a message and after you hear the truth of God and so what I would say is hey take your kids out to lunch go home and the car ride home have a conversation about what the Bible is telling us and you might you might get into some of the best conversations you've ever had with some of your kids instead of being afraid to address it let me help you kind of broach the subject if you will and open up a topic. But one of the reasons I've chosen to use the NLT this morning is I think it just puts it a little bit more plainly. It's a little bit easier to understand, especially for some of our younger people. So let's get into the word. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. The whole passage that I'm going to read here is entitled, Loving One Another. He says in verse 7, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Now, right here off the bat, uh, John is dropping a truth bomb on us that we have to get, that love has a source. Love has a genesis. Love has an origin. True love, real love, has its source rooted in the person of God. Everything, all love, comes from God. It was originated from God, birthed through God. It's the beginning and the end. It all comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Here's another truth bomb. God is love. He embodies love. He's the person of love. All love starts with him and and has its being in him. He he embodies what love is. In verse 9, God showed how much he loved us. Aren't you glad this morning that God didn't just tell you how much he loved you? You see, it's one thing to make a proclamation. It's another thing to give a demonstration. And I'm so glad that God didn't just make a proclamation of love without a demonstration on the cross of love. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. In verse 10, and this is where we're going to hone in on this morning, and this is real love. This is real love. Not that we loved God first, but that he loved us first and sent his son a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one... And I love this, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for your word, your word that inspires us, that challenges us, that convicts us, that changes us. Father, I pray today that your word would go down deep, that it would be like a seed planted within our spirits, that it would take deep roots within our soul, and that it would grow healthy fruit out of our life, that the full expression of this truth would not only take root, but live in us and through us. God, today, I pray specifically, oh, and what is so on my heart that you've put on it, Holy Spirit, is that today we would not just have a revelation of your love, which is needed, but God, today, that your love would manifest in us by the full expression of an experience with your love. God, that we would experience the depth of your love all over again because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We're so grateful for it. That's why we gather here today to worship you. So I give you this time. I pray that you would anoint me. And Holy Spirit, we say this is your church. This is your time. Have your way. You have full permission to do what you want to do. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. And now, church, would you just take a moment to pray for the United States of America with me? God, we thank you for the great um, blessing it is to live in this amazing country. We're so grateful for the men and women who sacrificed and continue to sacrifice to protect this country. And God, I pray that you would help us to get back to the foundation, like we sang this morning, the cornerstone, a relationship with you, Jesus Christ, built on your word, built on in God we trust. Father, I ask that you forgive us for following other gods as a nation and turning away from you and that you would hear from heaven, forgive us and heal our land. God, we pray for President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris and their whole staff. God, we pray that if they do not know you, that they would come to saving faith in you and that God, that you would begin a revival in Washington, D.C., God, to turn the heart of this nation back to the heart of God. We pray that revival would sweep over this great nation just like you did in times before. God, that you did it before and you could do it again and we believe it. God, why not not here? Why not now? Why not with Little Hope Church in Kalispell in the Flyhead Valley? God, I pray that you would awaken your church for such a time as this. Let revival break out. And God, I even pray for the the nation of Afghanistan and and the Christians that are being held hostage there and taken captive. God, would you move in that nation? Would you protect your people? And would you give them strength during these uh, challenging times of persecution in Jesus' mighty name? Amen, amen, amen. How many of you remember your first love? Remember the first time that, that you fell in love? I was actually trying to think of that moment for myself. I remember one of my earliest memories is uh, my mom had this picture of me, and I must have been about eight years old about the time, and I was, uh, it was the summertime, I was on a, a beach in upstate New York at one of the lakes, and there's this picture of me smooching with this little girl about the same age. And we're just like, I'm sitting in a, a beach chair. She's sitting in a beach chair. And we're just like kissing like this. And, and everybody's like, oh, that's so cute and everything. And so at eight years old, I was this little Romeo already. And, and kind of being shaped you know, by these ideas of what love is through music and media and movies. And, and I remember by the time that I got in high school, the first like real girlfriend that I had, and actually even before that, I remember being in sixth grade and being infatuated with my English teacher, Mrs. McNamara. I mean, she was blonde, curly hair, she looked beautiful. By the way, I got an A in that class because I was just paying attention. I don't know if I was paying more attention to uh, the material in English class, or to her I remember one day I mean I just used to stare at her and it was like you know the birdies going around and your heart beating out of your chest I didn't know what was going on I'm a sixth grade people you know but I just remember just being in love with Miss McNamara I remember one day she even told me she's like now Lance you know I'm married and I'm like yeah I know but you know you never know if it doesn't work out you know I'm like She got a good laugh, and she was one of my favorite teachers. But you know, we're we're experiencing, we begin to experience these feelings, and 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 we think, you know, we 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 feel this emotion and feelings of love and attraction that really begin to shape us. And and then there's other things, like when I was about 10 years old, kind of finding my grandfather's stash of pornographic material. And unfortunately, uh, you know, getting a hold of that in it, it start to just shape this idea of what sex is and sexuality and, and, and then creating this like brokenness in my soul that would affect me from an early age. And then getting into high school when I was a sophomore in high school and started dating and and, you know, think I think I dated this girl, Kristen, for a year and a half. And and then I moved to New Jersey. And I remember, uh, it was really funny. You know, back then you didn't have phones. You couldn't text message people. So you had to do it the old-fashioned way. You had to write love letters. Remember those things, love letters? And I remember, you know, being separated from her and moments where, you know, I'd be on my bed and, put on some sappy love song music, you know, as I, like, my heart throbbed missing her and, uh, you know, singing to Celine Dion, all by myself. <laughs> oh, I miss you. And, um, and being on the phone for hours, you know, with her, racking up my dad's long distance bill. And I remember one time my, my stepmother found a, a love note that I had wrote to her. And in that love note, I was saying stuff like, man, my father and stepmother, they don't even know what real love is. Like, we have real love. Like, we know what <laughs> real love is. And, and I remember my stepmother finding that note and confronting me with it and everything, and, and my dad kind of, like, reading it and laughing. Like <sighs> I'm like, 17, like, what do you know about real love? I knew absolutely nothing about real love. And I think that's the case for a lot of us. You know, we grow up, and even the way that we grow up, whether we grew up in a home where we, we had a loving, loving parents who had a healthy marriage or a broken home where, for most of us, where we lived and saw divorce and the damage that does and even the relationships or lack thereof that we can have and receive love from a parental figure, from a father or a mother and me growing up in a broken home and, and leaving this rejection wound in me and this need for approval and where I found that and, and how love, just the enemy was just having a field day with me where he tainted and twisted and distorted and even perverted what real love is. And I, and I love that as we come into relationship with God and we read his word, just like John spoke to us this morning, he says, this is real love. Not that we loved God first, But God first loved us. And so there's something about first love that teaches us really what love is all about. And so even if you think about the genesis of love, where, where the relationship between us and God all began, going back to the garden where the Bible says that that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and they had this love relationship where where they got to see God face to face. They got to experience the love that God had for them in this beautiful, healthy relationship between a father and a son and a daughter that established forever the beginning, the genesis of what real love is, and then sin entered the world through a choice, of Adam and Eve, where they got to choose, do I want to stay under the covering and protection and the love of Father or God, or do I want to take it into my own hands and try to explore what love and what life might be like out from the covering of God so that I could become a God and, and I can experience love for myself and dictate what love is. And, and ever since then, love has been tainted by this thing called sin. It has been distorted by this enemy that we have. It has been twisted. It has been perverted, and for many of us, this is a real problem, because we we go into even uh, when we're young and we have these these dreams and expectations of blissful dating, and romantic marriages, and what those are going to look like, only to realize once we get into them that we've been duped. We've been tricked because we've received our ideas of what real love is from faulty sources. We've, we've received the, this idea, and we've fallen in love and become addicted to this idea of what love is from friends, from social media, from Disney fairy tales, from Hallmark channels, and from pornography to our own past and past relationships and hurts and wounds. And brokenness. And we are now living in a day and age where our culture is shaping a generation that is one of the most relationally sick, sexually addicted, divorce ridden generations in the history of our world. And unless we get back to the foundation of what real love is, we will never be able to understand and have the healthy relationships that God wants us to have. And so we need to get back to what real love is. And here's the problem. We have been been taught by our culture a certain brand, if you will, of, of love. And I believe, personally, that we've become addicted because of our wounds of our past and our brokenness in our relationship that we have... Do you understand that God made you? The greatest emotional need, the greatest soul need that you and I have is this need to be loved and accepted. When you think about it, all of life is about receiving and giving love. And yet for many of us, that need is getting filled with these pseudo, if you will, fake types of love that never satisfy that deepest longing and need, because that deepest and longing need will never even be fulfilled through another person. Although, God created us to have a need for relationships with each other, but even our relationships will be distorted and tainted and unhealthy if the foundation isn't receiving the love of the Father. First, that first love. This Is real love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us first. But we become addicted to this brand, this ideology, these feelings of love that the world has tricked us. I want to give us a little bit of a working definition of the word addicted, because I think oftentimes, you know, when we think of addiction, we think of being addicted to drugs, or or being addicted to alcohol, or being addicted to pornography, or what it is. But listen to this definition of addiction from thankyoudictionary.com. Addiction is compulsively committed or helplessly drawn to a practice or habit to something psychologically or physically habit-forming. I'm going to say it again. Compulsively committed or helplessly drawn to a practice or habit to something psychologically or physically habit-forming. This is what we become, I believe, even in the church, and this is one of the reasons why so many times we experience divorce is because we have these ideas and these expectations of what real love is like, only to realize that our idea of love is broken. And we need to, if you will, detox from our addiction to the world's love. I love um, Jefferson Bethke, He's he's an author and a speaker, and he wrote this amazing book called Love Is, with his wife, and it's really their journey on discovering what true love is and how that love through their marriage relationship transformed their marriage. And he has a quote that I think is really important. He says this, before God's vision for healthy relationships can fully develop, we have to detox from poor, harmful, and parodied versions of love, sex, marriage, and dating. And I believe this firmly, that through this whole message series, We need to allow the Holy Spirit to detox us from the world's ideas of love so that we can fully embrace, experience, and have a fresh revelation of what real love is, the love of God. And so I want to start out by just kind of contrasting for us this this morning what the world's love is versus God's love. The first one is this. The world's love is selfish where God's love is selfless. The world's love is selfish where God's love is selfless. When you think about even all the marketing and the advertising that we are bombarded with every single day, it is all catering to this idea and and really going back to even the original sin. Sin is selfishness. In fact, if I had to put one word attached to sin, it is selfishness. It is is, I prefer self over love. And, And everything in this world... Again, think about even some slogans that might come to mind. Burger King, have it your way. <laughs> like, you deserve a break today. Like, all these things, everything is catering to our selfishness in this world. And even in, in dating and in relationships, it, it is becoming all about what I get from you, not what I give to you. It's uh, If you meet my needs, then I'll love you. But the moment that you don't meet my needs, then... I don't know if I can love you anymore because it's all based on this selfish type of love that says, I've got to have my needs met first. And and we wrongly misplace that with what is real first love, which is selfless love. God's love is absolutely 100% selfless, sacrificial. When you go back to the cross and think of the cross, God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't take He didn't say, hey, you need to love me first, and then I'll love you back. You need to prove to me that you actually love me so that you're worthy of my love. No, it says that God first loved us. And aren't you grateful this morning? Because we don't even have the ability to love with real love until we receive the selfless love of God first. The second part of worldly love versus godly love is this. The world's version of love is conditional. God's version of love, agape love, is unconditional. See, oftentimes in our relationships, whether we even recognize it or not, and I pray the Holy Spirit helps us to see that we put conditions on our love. Like, if you do this, then I will love you. And, and oftentimes, we can even uh, manipulate our spouses or our our dating partner into doing what we want them to do by giving conditions to the relationships. And oftentimes, these are unspoken conditions. Like, we don't say, hey, if you do this, this, and this, then I will love you. But unspokenly, we do that when we withhold love because we don't like or don't think that you've met the conditions to uh, earn my love. And God's love is the exact opposite it is unconditional. There is no conditions to God's love other than you receive Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we shall be saved. And if you are a saved son or daughter of God, there are no conditions to the love of God other than you believe. It's this thing called faith. It has been by grace that you have been saved. This is not of yourself so that you can boast, but it is by faith. You just have to receive it, believe it. And for many of us, that's where we struggle. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But the third way um, to contrast the world's love versus God's love is the world's love is limited. God's love is unlimited. Oftentimes, in our view of love and relationships, we put limits on it. And now let me just say this, I'm not talking about abusive relationships because we need to have healthy boundaries and relationships. And when somebody steps over those uh, boundary lines and enters into an abusive relationship or situations, I'm not talking about putting limits on that. I'm talking about putting limits on our love that we give to those that we are in relationship with versus God's love, which is unlimited. And where this boils down to is our commitment. See, we're living in a day and age where nobody wants to commit to love anybody anymore. Like even statistically speaking, um, research shows that, that young people are waiting longer and longer and longer to marry. And in most cases, it's, not, uh, it's by choice. And they're choosing it because why get married if you could have the benefits of a marital relationship without the commitment? In other words, I'm, I'm going to limit my love. I will love you as long as these conditions are met, but my love is limited to you. If I have to commit to you to an unlimited type of, of love, then that's where it stops for me. I, I can't commit beyond that. And and we don't even know, like, the Bible talks about something called covenant relationships. And we don't even understand this concept in our Society that, that nobody wants to have commitments anymore. We want to be free. We don't even want to commit to a church. We don't want to commit to serve. Uh, we don't want to commit to friendship. Uh, friend, friends come and go. People come and go out of our lives. We come and go out of churches. We come and go out of small groups. And, and nobody wants to be committed to love each other anymore. And because of it, the world is starving to see what real love is. And the church is failing. We need to get back to the foundation of what real love is. 1 John 2.15. John is is just, and I just encourage you, read 1 John. Read it from cover to cover. Read it through because John just beautifully talks about what godly love is, what real love is. But he gives us another clue in 1 John 2.15. He says this, Don't love the world. Do not love the Lord, do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving, an addictive craving, for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from this world. Now, some translations say the lust of the flesh, like everything in the world um, and its desires, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. All of this, all this, the world is fading away along with everything that people crave and are addicted to. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. In other words, have eternal life, live in eternal love. But I think really the key to all of this not only understanding what real love is, but actually encountering, experiencing continually the love of God, living in that love, being full of the love of God is what changes us. It's what transforms us. It's what gives us a, a it's, it's actually, God wants to take us to school to learn what love is. And the way he teaches us is to say, I want you to receive the love that I give. Because it's not like the world. You've fallen in love with this idea of love that the world offers. But the way that you're actually going to know what real love is, John gives us a clue in verse 15. He says, For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. And that's it right there. Everything starts. We can't even have a conversation about healthy relationships, love, and sexuality with starting right here. The reason we're so in love with the world is because we haven't had a deep enough revelation of the love of God and we haven't encountered a deep enough encounter and experience with the love of God. The love of God changes everything. The cross changed everything. You had me at the cross. Sorry, Jerry Maguire. You didn't have me at hello. You had me at the cross because it was at the cross that the love of God was poured out. It was at the cross that God not only told you and gave us a revelation that for God so loved you and me that he gave his only son, but it was at the cross that there was a demonstration of the love of God. I'm so glad that I don't just have to rely on VBS teacher telling me Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that is true. But for many of us, that's where it stops. We know it here, but we've never allowed it to get in here. And today, I want us to start this journey of understanding and encountering what real love is so that we can have healthy relationships where we're living in the love of God and giving the love of God to others around us. And if we will allow it, it will not only transform our personal relationship with the Heavenly Father as a son or an, and a daughter, it will transform every relationship in our life. And so if this is the key, if receiving and giving the love of God is the key to healthy relationships and understanding what real love is, what's in the way? What's blocking us? I think there's, there's three things that I think are one of the keys that we have to remove these blockages to experiencing and receiving the love of God so we can allow it to go deep within us. The first one is this condemnation. Condemnation. Now, for a lot of us, we don't understand what this word really means. And so I want to try to help you this morning. Condemnation is not from God. Condemnation is one of the devil, your enemy of your soul that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and twist, and pervert the very love of God, and block you from receiving the love of God. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. And here's the difference. God uses conviction, and the Holy Spirit will convict us to uh, awaken us to the reality that there's some sin in our life that needs to be forgiven and removed as a blockage because sin blocks the love of God. And for many of us, when we ask God to forgive us, in fact, I want to I read to you this, this scripture because I think it's one of the keys. Um, in John also, 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins... He is able, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And listen to this. Purify us from all unrighteousness. So here's the problem. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin in our life, but we'll just keep going on with our life. And John is saying that when you feel the conviction, the purpose of that conviction is so that you will stop. Do you know what the word confession means? It means to agree with God, to agree with someone. So when I confess my sin, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I recognize that you're putting your finger on something in my life that's not healthy, that's not good for me, and I agree with you that we need to take care of this. Will you forgive me? And it says that he is faithful, that if you do that, he'll wash it away and he will restore righteousness to you and he'll open up, it will open up the airway, if you will, for the love of God to be poured out in your heart and in your life. But for too many of us, we're stuck in a cage of condemnation, of guilt, of shame, and the enemy uses it over your life and my life to be a blockage for the love of God. And Paul reminds us in Romans 8, 1, he says, therefore, now there is no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment, For those who are Christ Jesus, for those who believe in him as their personal Lord and Savior and have been saved. And even some translations say, just like we talked about last week, those who don't walk after the flesh but walk after the Spirit. So I'm here to remind you this morning that I believe for some of us the reason we're not experiencing and encountering the more of the life-giving love of God is that we're allowing the enemy to keep this Lid over us of condemnation, and I believe today that the Holy Spirit wants to break that lid of condemnation off some of us, and He wants to open up our hearts to be able to receive the love of God. He wants to break that yoke and that bondage over you because the reality is the second thing that blocks us for many of us, we don't really understand the gospel, we don't understand the good news. We don't understand the reality of what Jesus did on the cross. And we have we've allowed the enemy to to distort in our minds how God sees us and what he thinks about us. And consequently, we end up living as slaves instead of sons or daughters. We live under this orphan spirit where we're trying to please the Father, but because we're not doing enough, I don't read my Bible enough, I don't go to church enough, I don't go to, I don't go to connect group enough, I, I sin and I have these secret sins in my life and hidden things and wounds and brokenness and, and I'm so sick inside and I don't, I don't know what to do to change me. It's because you don't understand the gospel we don't truly believe it i remember one time one of my kids they were they were watching some cartoons or something at night they were watching a show and there was an infomercial that came on and you know it was talking about sham wow this will change your life you know (laughs) just just use it it will clean up every mess and all this stuff and act now and by the way you know (laughs) that's not it we'll throw in this or whatever and i remember they came down to the dinner table and they're like hey dad that, that thing just sounded too good to be true. And I'm like, yes, son, it probably is. Yeah. But I think that's the way we treat the gospel. We treat the gospel in the same way, that that is too good to be true. That Jesus went to the cross, because here, here's the crux of the gospel right here. Titus 3, 4, it tells us what the gospel is. For when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things that we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. You see, what we have to understand is that Jesus went to the cross. He was commissioned by the Father. God said, I am tired of the enemy holding back my sons and daughters from receiving my love. And he commissioned his son, Jesus, to go to the cross. Can you just imagine that? The pain that He endured. He went to the cross as you, for you, took all your sin on Him, nailed it to the cross, died to it. That's mercy. Mercy is not getting something you deserve. You and I deserve to die that death. Because of my sin, because of my waywardness, because of my going my own way, I deserve to die. I deserve to burn in hell for eternity. But Jesus said, no, I'm gonna take all your sin on me and I'm gonna take your place on that cross. And I'm gonna nail all your sin on that cross. I'm gonna bury it as far as the east is from the west. And he said something when he, just before he died, he said, it is finished. Do you know what that word means? In our It means paid in full. It's actually when you had a debt and, you, and somebody went to collect on it, there was a stamp that they would put on that debt that said paid in full. It's the same word. Paid in full. Every sin you've ever committed, every sin you're going to commit today, every sin that you're going to commit for the rest of your life, paid in full. It is finished because of the cross. But it doesn't stop there. There's more. He gave us all his righteousness. That's grace. He imputed. That, that word means that he gave you. He not only took away your sin and took on your sin, he gave you his righteousness. Why? So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus standing in front of you. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And every time the accuser of the brethren comes before the very throne of God and says, oh, look what they did. Look what they did. They can't be loved. You can't trust them. Jesus reminds him, that's not him, that's me. I'm giving them my righteousness. I'm taking away their sin so that... You and I can receive continually the love of God. Walk in the love of God. Do you know that in Song of Solomon it says God's banner over you is love? That means when he looks at you, he doesn't see our brokenness. He doesn't see our weakness. He doesn't see our depravity. He doesn't see our sin. He sees my son, my daughter whom I love, and my banner. In other words, my label over you isn't guilt, isn't shame, isn't condemnation. It is you are loved unconditionally, without limits, selflessly, sacrificially. That's the love of God poured out on the cross. That's why in a minute we're going to end the service by taking communion together, because we have to remind ourselves what Jesus did on the cross. The last thing that blocks us, and we're going to end on this, is for many of us, we've allowed the love of God to get stuck in our head and never make it down into the depths of our soul we have a head knowledge yeah i know god loves me bible tells me so i know it but let me tell you something until you have that moment where you encounter the love of god and you need to have that moment You need to know, I can tell you exactly the moment when I encountered the love of God and the depth of the love of God. I'll never forget it for as long as I live. It marked me. It marked my life. I wouldn't be up here today speaking to you if it wasn't for that moment. And all of you, you need to have that moment. You need to know that moment. You need to experience that moment. Because it's not enough to know God loves me here. I've got to know that He loves me in the very depths of my soul. I was a college student, Lee College. One night, Dr. Paul Gokhan was preaching, and he was preaching on Esther. And he was talking about how God was looking down on Esther, and he just loved her. And he poured out his love and favor on her. And I remember in that moment, just the love of God just hit me and flooded my heart and tears started to just come down my face and I got down on my hands and knees and I just received the love of God. It was like waves of electricity going into my soul that empowered me. I got up a changed young man. Those wounds of rejection and longing for acceptance were immediately healed because of the immense power and the love of God running through my soul. But that's not a one-time experience. We've gotta make room for the love of God in our life. That means every day, I try to do this when I get up and I'm telling you, if you'll make room for God to pour out his love on you, just get quiet before God. Just say, God, I know you love me, but I wanna, I wanna encounter your love because Paul praying for the Ephesian church, and this is my prayer for you. He said in Ephesians 3 he says I pray out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts make his home in your heart through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And listen, here's the key. That you know this word isn't just a head knowledge, it's the Greek word "gnosko," which means to experientially know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the fullness of the measure of God's love. The cross the greatest picture of this is real love. This is what real love is. This is why we take communion. And so as we're here and we're closing, I want to remind you that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's the new deal. No longer is your righteousness based on your good deeds and your good works? It's, it's gonna be based on mine. That's the new covenant, that's the gospel, that's the good news. He says, when you drink this, remember my blood that's gonna be shed for you. And then likewise, he took, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then, then you know one of the things that sticks out to me the most? It's after supper. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he fell down in agony on his hands and knees before God and he said, God, Father, if there's any way that you could take this cup from me, if there's any other way to do this, please do it. Could you imagine for a moment, those of you who are parents, your son or daughter crying out to you, three times pleading with you, if there's any way that you could not let me go through this agony, do it. But God so loved you that He was willing to let His own Son go through the pain, the agony, the separation from the love of God, so that you and I could experience, live in, breathe in the love of God that was poured out on the cross. Because He loved us. I'm so grateful for that love. This is real love. You had me at the cross. Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support this ministry by going to hopechurchmt.com/give. Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Thanks again for watching, and have a very blessed week.